other way digitally to get the scriptures. I'd like to ask you to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 12. Uh, this could be really weird speaking to an empty auditorium. There's about four people here. But I've, for years, I've gone through my sermon out loud in my office a couple of times before I ever spoke it publicly, so that makes it a little bit, a little bit less weird. So the question this morning is, are you good or evil? And the answer is yes. I have a, a friend who just went to be with the Lord this past year. His name is Steve Gose. And uh, he's, a, he's from Texas, Texas oil man. And he's a southern gentleman. I mean, he is the epitome of a southern gentleman. Nice all the time. I've never ran into anybody that doesn't like him. I mean, he and his wife would come into church and greet everyone, and they're so gracious and kind. Ginger and I traveled with them internationally and a couple of different times. And then uh, when, he, when we would go in a restaurant with Steve, he would always greet the waitress, you know, make her feel like a million dollars. And in fact, it was, it was kind of funny. He didn't mean anything by it at all. He was in his 80s, but he would, he would uh, grab the waitress by the shoulder and tell her what a sweet, sweetie she was. And his, his wife, Marty, would say, you get your hands off her, because <laughs> he, she was afraid it was going to make her uncomfortable. But uh, Steve was nice all the time. I knew him for a number of years, but one day, I don't remember what we were talking about, but one day... I saw this look come across his face, and I thought, uh-oh, I don't want to see that look, him looking at me that way. And it was, it was kind of an evil look. You know, there was something about it. So I'd say Steve was probably 99% good, but there was that 1% in there where he could probably have some propensity for evil, and I, I bet that's true with, with you as well. So I want to compare two figures this morning as we read out of the Gospel of John, chapter 12. I want to begin in verse 1, if you uh, would like to follow along with me. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. So think about this group of people. Lazarus has been... Raised from the dead, and now those three characters plus some other ones are there present with Jesus. It says, Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, it always says that when it mentions it, who would betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. So I want to I compare or contrast, I should say, these two figures, Mary and Judas. First of all, we'll talk about Mary for a moment, and you might just jot down there, Mary, Mary was a picture of adoration. You, we all know the expression, uh, somebody let their hair down, which means they get a little bit wild. 
Well, in this passage, it says maybe this is the origination of it. I don't know. Mary kind of went went overboard just a little bit here in a lot of people's minds. It says that she let her hair down, and she has this 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 uh, alabaster vial of nard, which is a, a spice from India, and it would have been worth $50,000. Now imagine that. She breaks this vial and pours $50,000 worth of perfume on Jesus' feet, takes her hair, which has been let down, and she begins wiping his feet with her hair. Now, that's a little bit weird to us because we don't wash feet any longer. We don't wear sandals and walk in the streets with all the animal dung anymore, so they did. So they had to wash feet. So this is a little bit strange, a little bit overboard. And even the people in the room thought it was overboard. At least Judas did. He objected. But uh, I, want you to, I want you to think about, maybe, maybe a close comparison would be a bride and groom standing on the platform just about to be married, and they're, they're looking at each other. You've all seen that look. And it's not, I'm sure there's some lust in it, but it's not, it's not simply lust. It's they're saying, I love you with everything that is in me. Those of you who are married remember standing on the platform and that, that feeling that you had, that adoration that you had for another person. Well, this is, this is beyond adoration. This is worship. She's worshiping Jesus. Uh, I talked to a friend this week, by the way, with all the coronavirus stuff going on. He's doing a wedding. It's, obviously, it's not a big public wedding. It's the bride and the groom. But I said, well, boy, you need to remind them about social distancing. I mean, they can't get close to each other on their honeymoon. <laughs> he, he thought that was pretty funny, so he's going to put it in his, put it in his uh, wedding sermon. So picture this woman worshiping Jesus. That's the, that's, that's the idea that's there. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. So the fact that we're talking about this today is a fulfillment of that. That wherever the gospel is preached, Mary and this scene are, are talked about. So take Mary, who is worshiping Jesus in adoration, and then look at Judas, a picture of quite the opposite. Judas is a picture of duplicity. Now, I, I find this hard to imagine. But Judas followed Jesus for three years and nobody knew what he was like. That's my, that's my point in saying, are you good or evil? There's a little bit of good and a little bit of evil in all of us. And it's almost unimaginable to think that, that Judas could walk with Jesus for three years and nobody knew. How do I know that? Because in the upper room, Jesus said, one of you will betray me. And everybody turned to each other and said, gosh, it couldn't be me, could it, Lord? I mean, they all, they all wondered if it could be, could be them. So <clears throat> Judas, compared to Mary, is quite a difference. We gladly name our daughters Mary. In fact, it's a beautiful name, isn't it? Maria or Mary. Uh, but you don't, you don't name your daughter Delilah or Jezebel. Names obviously have an impact. You probably don't name your sons Judas. In that day, Judas was a fairly common name. But from that point on, you, I mean, you, you, you don't want a son, a son named Judas. So <clears throat> Judas said this money should have been taken 
and given to the poor. Well, he didn't want it to be given to the poor. He wanted to put it in his pocket. Sounds noble, but it's really not. And I've actually heard people uh, use this verse as an excuse not to help the poor. Well, we're always going to have the poor with us. You know, we're not going to ever, ever get rid of that. Quite the opposite is true in Scripture. Mark 14, 7 says, The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them any time you want, but you will not always have me. And then in Deuteronomy 15, 11, it says, There will always be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your brothers and toward the poor and needy in your land. So he's not saying don't help the poor. In fact, it's quite the opposite. He's encouraging us to help the poor. Now, you might say about Judas, you might say, I could never do what Judas did. Be careful. I think all of us have a propensity for things that we may not even be aware of. Judas was, I don't know if he was repentant, he probably wasn't, but there was, he tried to give the money back. He, he went out and hung himself because he felt so guilty, he felt so bad about doing what he'd done. So here are two, two drawings, two circles, and the circle that is, is black with a little bit of white on it is a person who is, has a propensity for evil. But there's a little bit of good there. That was true even in Judas, or they would have known long before that night. And then the other circle that is white with a little bit of black in it, hopefully that, that portrays you. That we want to do good, we want to do right, but there's still, we have to watch ourselves. We have to be careful. I, th I thought of a couple of illustrations. One is my brother. I've talked about my brother a number of times, my middle brother, Marlon. Uh, Marlon was three years older than me, but as long as I can remember, he was, he was a sinner. I mean, <laughs> he would get into trouble when he was a little kid. My mom used to have to tie, tie him to the clothesline post to keep him at home. He was constantly getting spankings. He was constantly in trouble. He was having sex with girls when he was in grade school. He told me that just before he died. And in his adult years, drugs, alcohol, uh, selling drugs were part of his life. He was always in trouble. Fortunately, he, he uh, turned his life over to the Lord just before he, well, about 10 years before he, he uh, went to be with the Lord. But Marlon, in, at one point in his life, he said there's a, lot of, there's a lot of black there, but there's a, little bit, there's a little bit of white too. Contrasting with that would be my friend Ron Mel. Ron Mel was a pastor at Beaverton Foursquare Church in Beaverton, Oregon. He was a tremendous, tremendous man. And he was, he was obviously not perfect, but he was, he was a pure man. When you're around him, you wanted to, you wanted to be like, wanted to be like Jesus, wanted to go be with Jesus when you, when you heard him talk. And I, I remember a story that Ron told about speaking at a summer camp in, uh, in the, the Midwest. And on his way from chapel back to, back to the dorm, this woman uh, who he knew, he talked to her several times at this retreat, she walked with him and they were walking in the dark back toward the dorm and, and she basically propositioned him. And he, he said, I was so mad because I, I didn't say anything. I, I, didn't, I didn't say yes, but I didn't correct her. So the next day he met her in the, in the cafeteria and, and he talked to her about it. He says, you know, I, I think you're not, I'm not the first man that you've ever, you've ever said that to. And they had a wonderful conversation about her coming to repentance that day. 
Another story that he told me was he was he was late arriving at the at the golf course. He was going to meet some guys, so he jumped in a cart and headed toward the toward the hole where they were. And he noticed there were some beer cans in the in the back. And uh, so he stopped, took the beer cans out, and threw them in the garbage because he said, "I don't I didn't want to be I didn't want to embarrass the Lord." Well, how many of us would do that? Point again is. He had a propensity for good. He wasn't perfect. There was some evil there, but he had a propensity for good that served him well. Now, this is important to remember when it comes to talking about people. You know, I, I don't hear it as much anymore because people know how I feel about it, but you'll hear somebody talking about, well, this person did this or this person did that, and they'll just talk to them, talk about them like they're all evil. I was, I was talking to a man this past week uh, he asked if he could talk to me about a situation that was going on in his church, so I, I agreed to do so. And I, when he first started talking, uh, he wept a couple of times. And I, and I really had compassion for him. I thought, gosh, this guy's going through it. And then as time went on, I don't think he intended to, but he was, he was painting someone else as completely evil. And I recognized that too. It was like a time when I met with uh, two couples. Both of them, both of them were pastors. The, I knew both of them very, very well. One couple would talk, and you'd think, oh, man, this other couple is evil. Then the other couple would talk, and you'd think, oh, just the opposite. The other, the, the other couple is evil. So I stopped in the middle of that meeting, and I said, listen, there's not a good person and a bad person, or a good person and an evil person here. Both of you have a propensity for good, and both of you have a propensity for evil. And that changed the tone of the, of, the, of the conversation. So we have a choice. It's, they're both there, but we have a choice which we will gravitate toward. Now listen to this, this uh, speech, closing speech that Moses gave to, to his people after leading them for 40 years. There will always be poor in the land, therefore I command you to be open-handed toward your brothers and toward the poor and needy in your land. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart, so that you may obey it. See, I set before you today, notice he's, he's set, setting before them a choice. I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. That's the choice we have, good or evil. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. So he's saying, Choose good because here are all the wonderful things that will come from good. But if your heart turns away and you're not obedient, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. Here's the consequences of evil. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. And I can hear, I can just hear Moses saying, now choose life, please. Choose life so that you and your children may live and you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life. So he's begging them, choose evil. And that's the reason I'm talking in this message today. It started with Adam and Eve. They chose evil. And that opened the door for the propensity for evil for all of us that have been born since then. But the door is open. It's there. So in chapter 1 in Genesis, notice Cain and Abel. It says, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, 
you will not you, will you not be accepted but if you do not do what is right sin is crouching at the door it desires to have you but you must master it so again sin is crouching i love that picture sin is crouching at the door waiting to take advantage of you if you give the opportunity so what's your propensity peter cautions be self-controlled and alert your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour resist him standing firm in the faith so again that choice between good and evil what is your propensity colossians chapter 3 verse 7 paul says to people who are now followers of christ he said you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these anger rage malice slander filthy language from from your lips do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self so it's again evil and good we choose then ephesians 4 he says you were taught with regard to your former way of life put off your old self which is being corrupted by its evil desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like god in true righteousness and holiness so you have the propensity for good and evil he's saying take off evil take off that past life that former life and put on this new life which is in holiness so when you think about mary i I thought about this again the other day i thought about mary every time that mary is mentioned in the bible she's on her knees she was on her knees when she was in martha's house and jesus was talking to her and martha was in the kitchen serving mary was on her knees listening to the lord she was on her knees when her brother died lazarus died and she came out to jesus and fell on her knees and she's on her knees in this passage where she's washing washing jesus feet i thought i thought the other day i thought wouldn't it be something if every time i was mentioned something that commendable could be said about me it's probably not true but what a goal what an example mary is to us of a person of worship so in closing i just want to give you a couple of statements first of all express your love for jesus openly and often tell him that you love him i was brought up in a tradition all my all my life i went to church i i wasn't always a christian but i i wasn't always a follower of christ i should say but i i believed in jesus and uh we, we talked about him with adoration but i don't ever remember one time either hearing or saying jesus i love you i never i never heard those words they they did love the lord but they, but they but they never said it. it's kind of like you know previous generations they they they, they love you but they, they won't tell you that that they love you i remember going to a, a little pentecostal church in hillsborough oregon and walking into a service sitting down and i and i heard people saying jesus i love you uh, one one woman in particular mrs hansen she was an old saint and and the way that she would say jesus i love you it, it almost bring you to your knees worship and adoration that was coming from her lips our pastor's wife was the same way she she was very open in her love for the lord so now i make it a practice every day the first thing i write in my journal every morning is jesus i love you and i mean it the last thing i say before i go to bed before i go to sleep at night is jesus i love you i want him to know 
how much I love him. Secondly, express extravagant generosity toward Jesus. How can you do that? Well, you can do that in your giving. You can do that. You know, generosity is an open hand. Stinginess is a closed hand. I've, I've mentioned previously, I should, have, I should have brought it today to show you. There's this, I have this little gold box at home. It's about, about that long and about that high, about that wide. I spent over an hour in a little shop in Toledo, Spain. I wanted, I wanted to bring Ginger something home that would be really, really nice. Uh, they, they had a, the, the walls were covered with these. It was in Spain, and, the, and it was a place where the, the Turks had come through and, and had taken over. They had, they had literally dozens of swords hanging on the wall. I didn't think Ginger would like a sword. So I started looking at some other stuff, and I came across this little box, little gold box, and it's heavy. It's made out of gold that's, that's uh, from that region. And you pick that little box up, and it's, it's heavy. You open it up, and it's real nice on the inside. I took that home and gave it to Ginger. I didn't tell her how long it took me to find it, but I, but I gave that to her, and she treasured it today. It's still, still sitting in a prominent place in our house. Thirdly, be an example of worship. What I've noticed is that when, when someone sets the example, and they, they, maybe they'll raise their hands and lift their voice in worship to the Lord, then people around them will begin to do the same thing. You know, you be the example of one who expresses your love to the Lord. There's something contagious about that. Uh, other people will pick that up. And then the last thing is express your love for Jesus through service. When we talk about Martha and Mary, we make the comparison between those two. Often people present that in a way where Mary was worshiping, but Martha was not. Martha actually was worshiping. She was distracted right then. But she was, she was definitely a worshiper, and the way that she worshiped was through her service. Uh, you know, you've, maybe you've heard of the book Love Languages. I don't remember all of them, but, it, but I remember the one that's important, and that is Ginger's love language. When I, when I fill her car with gas, to her, that's an expression of my love for her. If I wash her car, it's an expression of my love to her. That's the way she receives it. Uh, I didn't used to do this, I, I must admit, but now she cooks dinner and I clean up the dishes and clean the kitchen. When I do that, probably 50% of the time, she'll, stay, she'll say, Stan, thank you so much for doing that. I mean, it's a, that's an expression of love to her that she receives in that way. So by you serving Jesus, you want to pay attention to him too, but by you doing acts of service for Jesus, that can be a wonderful expression of worship to him. I encourage you in the days that we're living in right now, there are probably some ways that you can serve people. Several times recently, I've had someone in the church or a friend call me on the phone and say, Stan, how are you doing? And the first person that did it, I thought, gosh, that's kind of that's strange. They didn't want anything. They, they weren't looking for anything. They weren't, they, he, he just wanted to know, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? I suppose it was a concern over this, this uh, coronavirus thing. Someone else, a, a few days later, called me and said, how are you doing? Two or three times I've gotten emails. How are you doing? Are you doing all right? People even from, from out of state. So I know there's some restrictions on you know, staying home and, and not getting close to people and all those things. But why don't you think of creative ways that you could express your love for people during this difficult time. I was watching the news last night and Rob Griggs, uh, who's one of the weathermen on Channel, Channel 2, 
Rob Griggs worked for me for, I think, almost 20 years. And he's got a sense of humor like nobody you can imagine. But Rob was particularly aglow last night on the weather. And I, I started laughing. And, and then I realized, you know, things are kind of flatlined right now. It's like, it's like everybody's kind of blah. Not necessarily sad or depressed, but it's just kind of blah. And when Rob started talking about uh, the weather and he, he just had everybody busting bust a gut, I sent, him, I sent him an email after it. I said, Rob, thanks for cheering us all up. You're the best. And so be cheerful in these days. Be, be filled with faith, not fear. Encourage people. Send people a letter or send, send people a voicemail or talk to them on the phone some way that you can express your love to them. And I, I was thinking yesterday, you know, Ginger and I are home most of the time now anyway. But for some of you, you know, he's at work, she's at work, the kids are at school, you're going different ways, you can't really sit down for a meal together. But right now, you're getting to spend more time with your family. It's a unique time to express your love and encourage them and be a blessing to them. So I want to I encourage you to do that. So Lord, today we know that each of us has a propensity for good and we have a propensity for evil. And Father, we want to do good. We want to be a blessing to you. We want to worship you. We want to be known as a person. When our name is mentioned, they would say, he loves the Lord, she loves the Lord. That's the way we want to be known. And so today we choose good, and we choose the consequences of good. And if there are some that are listening today who have chosen evil and are experiencing the consequences of evil, I pray that right now, right where they're sitting, they would turn their attention to you and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me? Would you please help me follow you every day? I want to experience life with you and the consequences of good in my life. If they need to apologize to someone, ask for forgiveness, help them to do that. And Lord, in closing, I just ask that your blessing would be on your people, that you would uh, give us your grace, demonstrate your grace to us in these days and protect us from sickness and uh, we'll be faithful to give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless all of you. We don't know how long this is going to go on. We'll get a little bit better each week at uh, pulling this off. Uh, we're now starting to think about Easter. It's crazy as it is to think about doing a service with nobody in the sanctuary on Easter. It's a, it's a crazy thing to think about, but we're trying to think of some special things that we can do. So I pray that uh, you'd walk in God's grace. God bless you. And uh, we'll see you next time.